If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of April 24, 2022. The podcast that's a working vacation. This is your host, Shane Killian. Please note that next weekend is the fifth weekend in the month, and that means no podcast. It'll be back in two weeks. Let's obliviate the news of the bogus. DuckDuckGo is a search engine that's one of the primary alternatives for the big ones like Google and Bing, whose big draw is that they don't track you or otherwise invade your privacy. Until recently, it was also that they didn't censor search results, and with the exception of their announcement that they won't be including Russian misinformation, whatever that means, about the Russo-Ukrainian war, they've stuck to it. But coming right on the heels of that controversial move was users noticing that a lot of so-called pirate sites had been delisted from search results, including YouTube DL, which, as we've covered, is both legal and has tons of legitimate and even important uses. It started when the search engine announced they would be removing certain bangs for pirate sites. With DuckDuckGo set as your browser's default search engine, you can type BANGYT followed by keywords in your address bar to search YouTube, or BANGUPS followed by a tracking number to track a UPS package. The list of bangs has grown to more than 10,000, but recently, 2,000 of them were removed that were associated with torrent sites like the Pirate Bay and so-called pirate sites like Sci-Hub. Even perfectly legal sites like Open Subtitles were affected due to threats of litigation from the EU. DuckDuckGo staffer Tagawa said, quote, Bangs had been neglected for some time, and there were tons of broken ones. As part of the bang cleanup, we also removed some that were pointing to primarily illegal content. We operate globally, as do bangs, and products that actively facilitate interaction with illegal content can have us and our employees face significant legal liability and jeopardizing the entire service. It's a legal tightrope they have to walk. But users also noticed that results from any of these sites weren't showing up at all. For example, if you searched for site colon thepiratebay.org followed by keywords, you wouldn't see anything. In addition to a lot of torrenting sites, the site youtube-dl.org was also delisted. After numerous user complaints, CEO Gabriel Weinberg said, quote, After looking into this, our records indicate that YouTube DL and the Pirate Bay were not removed from our search results when you search for them directly by name or URL, as you noted in your piece. This is how the vast majority of people navigate to a page. As our CEO and founder shared in this tweet, we are having issues with our site colon operator and not just for these sites but now at least the official site should be coming up for people when they use the site operator for them. Apparently the culprit was Bing. Although DuckDuckGo has its own crawlers, it also relies on APIs to Bing to help it find new sites and update existing ones. Google and Bing have both been delisting a lot of so-called pirate sites after receiving both DMCA requests and legal threats. After the statement, the site slowly started to show back up in results. After consulting with journalists from Tornfreak, who sent them lists of affected domains as they were discovered, DuckDuckGo began restoring the results within hours. DuckDuckGo's senior communications manager Allison Goodman explained, quote, 
Yes, this is related to using data from Bing. Since these occurrences originated on Bing, they were passed down to our results as well as other Bing syndication partners. It included some perfectly legitimate articles from Torn Freak, such as a news report about a leaked episode of Game of Thrones. This puts the search engine in a tricky situation. As long as the information they get from Bing about domain removals reflects the changing web, it's good. But what if they're taken down due to something like a bogus DMCA removal, or legal threats that are going to go nowhere? If they specifically bring the sites back up, that might get them in legal hot water, even if they themselves never got any legal notice. It's one thing to crawl the web and find a site automatically, it's another thing to add it in manually, which could be seen by copyright bullies as an endorsement of the site's contents. DuckDuckGo continues to work on the problem, but time will tell what the legal fallout will be. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. On the good news side of things, we have a ruling from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals saying that scraping websites, which has been happening for as long as there's been the web, is perfectly legal. Scraping refers to collecting public data sent by websites responding to ordinary browser requests. It just means looking at that data and saving part of it for some purpose. Over and over again, courts have said that this is not a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. But the bullies keep trying. Talent management firm HiQ Labs has been scraping information posted publicly to LinkedIn who says it's against their terms of service. They lost their first lawsuit in 2019, but just can't seem to give it up. Spoke stooge Greg Snapper whined, quote, We will continue to fight to protect our members' ability to control the information they make available on LinkedIn. When your data is taken without permission and used in ways you haven't agreed to, that's not okay. On LinkedIn, our members trust us with their information, which is why we prohibit unauthorized scraping on our platform. Uh, moron! If they posted the data publicly, then the data is public. And they post that public information to your website because they want people to see it. And it's also necessary for archivists, journalists, researchers, and academics. Without this ruling, archive websites and research studies would always be vulnerable to vague legal rules that could be exploited by a bad actor at any moment. LinkedIn appealed a ruling to the Supreme Court, who kicked it back down to the Ninth Circuit, who then reaffirmed it. 
They referred to a case from June of last year, Van Buren v. United States, where they found that doing an online search for a license plate didn't violate the CFAA since it only refers to unauthorized information. And if information is public, it can't be unauthorized, can it? The Supreme Court ruled that when a website's gates are up, in other words, when they're giving out information publicly, no authorization is required to access it. The Ninth Circuit relied on that in their reconsideration of this case. Basically, if you don't want people to have your information, don't post it publicly. That should be obvious to even the most moronic of us. LinkedIn pretends they're just protecting their users, but what they're really trying to protect is their own dominance. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Speaking of things that should be obvious even to complete morons, a court had to explain to cops that having perfectly legal items in someone's possession isn't evidence of anything. Really, how are cops not the worst? Still, it's nice to know that sometimes the courts don't just kowtow to whatever the drug warriors want, considering that they'll just blindly accept I smelled marijuana as a justification for a warrantless search, no matter how many times it's shown there was no marijuana anywhere in the vicinity, it's nice to see there are sometimes limits. In this case, it was Chief Judge Martin Reidinger in the case of U.S. versus $13,205.54 in U.S. currency seized from Rakeem Franklin on August 21, 2018 in Rutherford County, North Carolina. That's the name of the case. Yes, it's yet another asset forfeiture case. After an officer smelled marijuana and seized a bunch of cash from a car belonging to Rakeem Franklin, they noticed that he was also an owner of several guns, which they said, quote, have long been recognized as being tools of the drug trade. So, in other words, because drug dealers use guns, anyone who has guns must be a drug dealer. Well, do drug dealers eat bread, too? Maybe everyone who eats bread is a drug dealer! But wait a minute. Criminals use guns, so anyone who uses a gun must be a criminal. Cops use guns, therefore... Hey, I think we may be onto something here. Let's see how far we can go with this. Criminals steal money, and they claim it was legal. Cops steal money and claim it was legal, therefore... How many iterations of this can we do? Criminals murder people and claim it was self-defense. Ah, oh, you get the idea. 
Franklin had the money in his car because he was on his way to a bank in Forest City to deposit the money in his bank and to pay off a car loan. On the way, he stopped by a restaurant to pick up a takeout order. Deputy Wilmer Chavez Perez saw Franklin's white Honda Accord and thought the tinted windows just had to mean he's a drug dealer. He activated his lights and pulled him over, and that was when Chavez pulled the old I smell marijuana warrant substitute. After searching the car, they found loose bits of marijuana on the floorboards, and Franklin claimed that it was legal hemp. Chavez conceded there was no difference in the smell, and not even a drug dog could tell the difference. Chavez didn't even bother collecting the bits of marijuana as evidence. He just took the cash. There was also a 9mm pistol and a knife in the car, and they arrested him on weapons charges. He was not charged with violating any state or federal drug laws. Oh, and they also did the bit where they had a drug dog sniff the cash. They also used his invocation of the Fifth Amendment as evidence of suspicion. These cops are scumbags. Thankfully, Judge Reininger found in Franklin's favor and ordered the money to be returned. In the process, he noted regarding the firearms claim, quote, It is undisputed, however, that Mr. Franklin owned these firearms legally. He is not a convicted felon or an otherwise prohibited person. Further, none of Mr. Franklin's firearms were subject to forfeiture by the government. The government has not presented any evidence from which this court could reasonably conclude that these firearms were owned for the purpose of furthering any criminal activity. For the government to suggest that a citizen's mere possession of firearms implicates that person in illicit drug trafficking is to strain credulity. The government's argument presents some Second Amendment considerations that counsel has apparently not considered. By the way, the only reason they knew about the other firearms is because Franklin had them legally, which is something the drug dealers don't often do. And if you've ever wondered why it is that people say a gun registry would be abused by government agents, well, here's yet another example. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to amonify this week's biggest bogon emitter. Damn it, Honda, I actually like you. My wife and I both drive Accords. I've owned more Hondas in my life than all other makes combined. So why do you have to be like this? They're going against 3D printing. And this is something that seems to be a combination of intellectual property and the denial of right to repair. 
I'm just getting into this myself. My friend Mr. Dapperton just bought a 3D printer, and we've been working on printable figures for Dapperton and Lord Killian. Maybe we'll have those available soon. Lots of 3D printed items are available to be purchased from websites, and many designs are freely downloadable, or downloadable for a fee from various websites, as well as sites where you can upload your own designs to be printed and sent to you or sold. But, of course, there's also the trade in copyrighted designs. In fact, early on, the Pirate Bay added a specific category for what they call fizzables. But one great reason is the ability to get a part for something, even if it's otherwise expensive or hard to find. My mechanic has said he's been waiting for the price of metal 3D printers to drop so he can just print out a hard-to-find part for a car instead of ordering it and waiting possibly a week or more for it to arrive. That would mean getting people back on the road faster, which for many of them would mean their jobs wouldn't be in jeopardy as it would if they spent weeks without a car. And already there are plenty of sites where you can get files for auto parts, and in fact some automakers have released these files themselves. But not Honda. They've apparently decided that this is all trademark infringement, and that 3D printing is a big danger to their business, and send takedown requests to all sorts of 3D print sites with all the precision and deliberation of a gorilla with a chainsaw. According to Rob Stumpf of The Drive, quote, Recently I noticed a part that I made for my Honda Accord was removed from printables, the newly rebranded 3D printing repository owned by Prusa. There seemed to be no rhyme or reason for it, but I didn't think anything else about it. Until reports of a mass deletion started popping up on Reddit. All models referencing the word Honda posted prior to March 30, 2022 were seemingly removed from printables without warning. According to Prusa, they were issued takedown requests, quote, I can confirm to you that we have received a letter from a lawyer representing Honda informing us that we were required to remove any model which used Honda in the listing, the model itself, or one of several trademarks slash logos also associated with Honda. This will also be related to the naming of the files itself, as for Honda this will be considered as a violation of their trademark slash patents. This apparently not only included items named with Honda or sporting the Honda logo, but also items with certain shapes and dimensions, like a washer fluid reservoir cap. And apparently, Honda has been sending these letters out to other such sites as well. According to trademark lawyers, innocent phrasing can even get you into trouble. Honda Civic Cup Holder might be considered a violation, whereas Cup Holder for Honda Civic would be permissible. According to Maya Eckstein, a partner at Hunt and Andrews Kurth, quote, Every situation is fact-specific, but, generally speaking, the former suggests that the cup holder was manufactured by Honda or is endorsed by Honda, i.e., that Honda is the source of the item being sold, risking a likelihood of confusion and, thus, a trademark violation. The latter doesn't necessarily do that. It falls into the category of nominative fair use, where you are merely describing the thing being sold, but not implying sponsorship or endorsement by the brand. Prusa's CEO Joseph Prusa said that he was in contact with various companies, quote, to make them realize this should be embraced and not hunted down. I think Stumpf is actually being a little too generous to Honda here. He points out that if Honda doesn't enforce their trademarks, they risk losing them. But that's only the case when there's confusion to the public about where the products come from. There's no such confusion here. The only cases are where the Honda logo is actually used, 
That might be valid, but all those parts for Hondas that only mention Honda to let people know which car it's made for, that's just not the same thing. Really, what's Honda worried about? People buying these parts are Honda customers, so Honda's already gotten their money. Do they make so much in auto parts that this will seriously cut into their business? That seems unlikely. Are they afraid someone will make a pirated Honda out of 3D printed parts? That seems even less likely. Maybe it's just their lawyers going absolutely crazy. That seems more likely. But although it's heavy-handed, to a lesser extent all sorts of companies are doing the same thing both to the maker community and to independent repair shops. But if we purchase a physical item, we should have the right to do whatever we want to with it, whether it's with an independent repair shop, or with parts made from the competition, or spat out by a 3D printer. And maybe one day companies will realize that embracing the maker community will be a boon to them. So all of that makes Honda Motor Company this week's biggest Bogani emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's territorialize this week's Idiot Extraordinary. And this week he goes to Dustin Bryan Thompson for doing everything he could to screw up his defense of his Jan 6 trial. He's been found guilty of felonious behavior during the January 6, 2020 Capitol occupation that could get him up to 20 years in federal prison. The felony? I kid you not. Stealing a coat rack. Admittedly, he had an incredibly biased judge whom we'll be throwing plenty of brickbats towards, but still, he didn't make things easy on himself. His best reason for why he stole the coat rack was so that other protesters wouldn't be able to use it as a weapon. He couldn't explain why he was wearing a bulletproof vest and couldn't even explain why he went to the Capitol in the first place. I don't even understand why he was testifying to begin with. What was his lawyer thinking? I mean, he could at least have called a character witness or two. But the most ridiculous part came when Thompson claimed he was following presidential orders. I'm not a lawyer, but maybe it's an idea not to use the president told me to do it as a defense, especially when the president absolutely did not tell you to do it. Trump never said anything of the kind, and he only talked about doing a peaceful protest, saying those words after the Capitol, unbeknownst to him, had already been breached. An anonymous juror told the press afterward, quote, Donald Trump wasn't on trial in this case. Everyone agrees that Donald Trump is culpable as an overall narrative. 
Lots of people were there and then went home. Dustin Thompson did not. Wow, so a blatantly anti-Trump juror? Where was Thompson's lawyer during voir dire? Even though Thompson's horrible defense played a huge role, he might have some grounds for appeal given the blatantly biased judge in the case, U.S. District Judge Reggie Walton. He said, quote, You know, I think our democracy is in trouble because unfortunately we have charlatans like our former president who doesn't, in my view, care about democracy, but only about power. And as a result of that, it's tearing this country apart. American citizens who were so gullible that they were willing to accept what was being said without any proof that the allegations about the election had any merit whatsoever. People are just outraged at how they feel our system is not taking seriously what happened on that day because of their fear of the future of this country. After the verdict, even though he hadn't yet been sentenced, he was led from the courtroom in shackles, which is unusual and very unexpected, although his milquetoast attorney said nothing. Because he stole a coat rack. Oh, and a bottle of bourbon. I left that part out. Not sure if it changes your opinion or not. Walton said it was because Thompson was a flight risk and a danger to the public. Quote, I just don't think you can do what he did and what the other folks did if you're convicted and expect to be free. It's a consequence. As my mother once told me, you make your bed, you gotta lie in it. Jeez, he doesn't even know the aphorism. Walton will be the one sentencing Thompson on July 20. One can only imagine. So all of that makes Dustin Bryan Thompson this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Half the Chumpy Maybe, At Least He's Not French edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar, and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from H.L. Mencken. Liberty and democracy are eternal enemies, and everyone knows it who has ever given any sober reflection to the matter. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. 
Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.